Hey everyone, welcome back to the Christmas Carol Countdown on iHeartMovies. My name is Jonathan North, and in this episode, my friend Rachel Wagner is joining me to talk about three different television movie versions of A Christmas Carol. These three movies are all from Lifetime and Hallmark. They're all in that vein of rom-com-esque TV films, but each one is pretty different. First up is Ebby, a Lifetime film from 1995. This one is a straight-up, gender-swapped version of A Christmas Carol with Susan Lucci in the title role as Elizabeth Scrooge. Her dead partner is Jake Marley, her assistant is Roberta Cratchit. You get the idea. The next two are more inspired by A Christmas Carol than they are trying to actively remake it. They both even mention the story by name and either quote it or heavily reference parts of it. The first one of these is called Every Day is Christmas. This one stars Tony Braxton as the Scrooge character and actually just aired last year on Lifetime. The last one is called It's Christmas Carol, but it's better than its punny name might suggest. This one is from the Hallmark Channel in 2012, and as you may guess, the Scrooge character here is named Carol. She's played by Emmanuel Vogier, Vogier, I, I really don't know how to pronounce her name. However, even though she's the character in the title, the real star of this film is Princess Leia herself, Carrie Fisher, who takes on not just the Marley role, but all the other ghosts as well. I decided to do these three as one episode because I asked Rachel for some Hallmark or Hallmark-like Christmas Carol ideas. I know the Hallmark Channel has done movies based on or inspired by the story before, and as Rachel is the host and founder of the Hallmarkies podcast, I knew she'd be the one to get suggestions from, and these are the three she gave me. And like I said, these aren't all from the Hallmark Channel, but they all have that Hallmark flavor. And if you've watched any Hallmark movies lately, you probably know what I mean. I think I'm going to do these in order of the, how I watch them. Okay. So let's start with Ebby first. Okay. So all of these are ones that you picked out. So what was it about Ebby that you thought would be a good one for me to watch um so we had already done a lot of the uh television movie versions that i uh that are my like favorites we talked about and so uh, i thought this one makes some interesting choices uh in my opinion and i thought it had a nice heart to it and i hadn't seen it until last year when we were doing our we did a ranking over at Hallmark's podcast of all different female Scrooge uh, versions. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I watched it there and I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. And so I thought uh, that it would be a fun one to talk about. Yeah. This one is basically of the three. This one is like the most Christmas Carol. This is like basically a straight up gender swapped Christmas Carol. The others. Yeah are more like they take inspiration from a Christmas yeah. Carol. This is like they're trying to do a Christmas Carol, but in modern day with a female Scrooge. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think this was one of the earlier mm-hmm. female for female Christmas Carol stories. Uh, I like the you know, some of the, the choices that they make are, I mean, some parts of it are dated, but mm-hmm. particularly the things involving her sister, uh, I thought that was well done it gives a kind of an interesting motivation mm-hmm. why she uh, becomes the person that she's become um and i thought that was pretty well done um i don't know what did you think of it this one is probably of the three i don't know it might be my second favorite it's okay. not my least favorite definitely 
but I can't decide which of which of them is my favorite. I think this is up there, but it does I think it does suffer a little bit from being dated, but that's also not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Because I mean it sort of reminded me of a cross between a soap opera and touched by an angel. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Just the feel of it was very touched by an angel without <laughs> angels. It was the ghosts instead of angels. Well, and then you have just like little things like uh, she sees herself as a kid just loving the Dobson uh, windows and the displays, and which she had just canceled earlier in the mm-hmm. story. So there's a lot of kind of callbacks. And I liked little moments like when he says, you'll have to take these meetings, three appointments. And he's like, can I take them all at once and set up a conference call? <laughs> that was, that was yeah. a funny line, I thought. And uh, the different past present and future are all people that she interacts with in the in the course of the day earlier so like past or uh these ladies from the department store um the perfume girls and uh, they're pretty perky and kind of fun and this definitely gets very soap opery with the uh with the boyfriend but i think that that's that's often pretty much i feel like every female version of christmas carol the uh the well really in general i think the um the oh my gosh bell i think the bell storyline is a little bit hard to kind of it's pretty cheesy it's pretty melodramatic Mm -hmm. it's all kind of broken up by the fact that her sister has this miscarriage and um, well it wasn't there wasn't a miscarriage she died in childbirth didn't she she gets toxemia yeah, the, and, uh, the the yeah. baby survives. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I wrote it down wrong, but but uh, but she thinks it's her fault for going to this party, mm-hmm. and uh, and so she blames herself for the death of Fran, and that's kind of different. Usually, it's just kind of a side note that oh, the sister died in childbirth, but here they kind of try to make it sort of part of her downward spiral <laughs> mm-hmm. um and it reminded me sort of of the 1951 version in that way because mm-hmm. wasn't that the one that we watched where they added a lot to that backstory uh yeah and his sister they do add a lot of the to the backstory and also it is kind of similar in the sense that uh you have jake the marley character uh and the kind of see the backstory of them buying dobson's and uh and you know they're making like the shrewd business deals you kind of see that back story mm-hmm. like you did in 1951 and uh, and then you see this guy paul and saying you always pick the job over me and, and <laughs> was the name dobson supposed to be a reference to something because it sounded familiar but i didn't know if it was supposed to mean something or if that's just that's what they decided to call the store um i i think it was just what they decided to call the store because uh, the um in this case instead of uh Fezziwig, uh it's dobson and uh and she basically kind of screws over the Fezziwig character dobson uh and ends up buying the store out from under him being kind of dishonest about it and this guy jake when he dies it's she's very like callous like uh you know she's got it all they got it all now got this other guy out of the way (laughs) there were too many people involved so all of that is i don't know i it is a little melodramatic but i still liked it i thought it was interesting choices Mm -hmm. and uh um, i I noticed a lot of things like i said this is like a 
pretty much the one that's the most straight up remake yeah reimagining of it but they it seemed like they were trying to use a lot of the lines but kind of updating them to a modern vernacular yeah that's true sometimes it worked and sometimes it was a little cheesy cheesy. yeah (laughs) (laughs) one of the better ones i thought was when she says there's too many people in the world anyway right right (laughs) and yeah and then the the present says uh, well, didn't you didn't you say there were too many people? Isn't that what you said? And and she's like, oh, I didn't mean I didn't mean him. Mm-hmm. And and then the says, which ones did you mean? <laughs> yeah, which is pretty good. I like that. So the ghosts were they supposed to literally be the people who worked at the store? Were they were the ghosts taking the form of the people in the store? I or think, was that even explained? I don't know. Um. Hmm, that's an interesting question. I I guess they're just taking the form because they're not dead. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think they're just taking the form. Okay. I thought it was kind of funny, though, that Christmas present, she was a right. pun because she was the present wrapper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little much, but I enjoyed it, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I thought that as Lorena Gale and I thought she did a pretty good job mm-hmm. she was fun I found it interesting that they actually included ignorance and want in this version yeah and instead of ha- having them like hide under Christmas presents robes they were under wrapping paper <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah that was good I liked that too and I also like the perfume with the with the perfume girls it's the perfume that takes them back in time. So they spray, spray and find out her dad was kind of a beast that he never wanted kids or cats. <laughs> <He's> gonna, <laughs> I think um, there's a lot of versions of this story where they give backstory that the dad is awful. Right. But this yeah. one seemed like he was probably super abusive. Right. Yeah. You certainly see that in divas Christmas Carol, you know, with her dad and being in foster care and all that stuff. And, um, so yeah, I'd agree. A lot of them have that element and you, know, you kind of see that Christmas was something that was a light, something that was positive to her, but losing the sister was the final straw for her. And as far as her mental health, <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. And it, this is the only one that really, sh- maybe the 51 one also has him cheating uh fuzzy wig, but uh, you don't uh, you don't often see that. I mean, it's not in the book, mm-hmm. but uh, it's just sort of you assume he. You kind of assume that, of course, he would have done that to get where he was going. But uh, but here it's you know it's pretty uh, tangible because you see the Fezziwigs, you see the party, the Dobson's Christmas party, which is where she was at when the sister dies, and mm-hmm. uh, so it makes sense to me what mm-hmm. she ends up doing. I think. And then you see in the future, you see that Tiny Tim character that he dies. And uh, I, I did like uh, Tiny Tim's song. He sings Angels We Have Heard on High. Mm-hmm. And that was nice. I liked that. He's the kid from uh, from Home Improvement, I believe. Oh, yeah. I think I read that. He did look kind of familiar, but that wasn't a show that I watched all the time as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't familiar enough to recognize him until I read that. Yeah. And she gets hit by a car and she doesn't have any visitors. And she says, I know I can make things better by being better. 
And uh, I thought she did a pretty good crazy Scrooge. Mm. I thought she was, you know, as Susan Lee, she, she's, she's really good for this kind of melodramatic type material to play mm-hmm. a, something soap opery. I think she does a good job. Yeah. And I liked the lady who played her sister. It's kind of interesting because they have Molly Parker playing Franny, the sister and the daughter, which is kind of, <laughs> so I think they had some oh, budget, that's right. the budget issues <laughs> with that well, one. It does kind of make sense because she would look like parents sort of. So just do her hair a little bit different. Maybe. I don't know. Did anything else stand out for you on this one? A lot of the things that stood out to me were just like weird little things that were funny. Like uh-huh. at the beginning, the, the guy saying he finds her scary, but alluring. Yeah. And then one thing that I did have a question on, maybe, I don't know if you would know this or not, but she says that Christmas is the last day before the biggest and busiest retail day of the year. So the day after Christmas is the biggest and busiest retail day of the year. So was this made before Black Friday was a thing? Because Black Friday is the biggest and busiest retail day of the yeah. year. Yeah. So this is 19, made in 1995. And I'm pretty sure Black Friday was a thing then. So I'm not sure what she meant by that. I mean, I think that, uh, I think the 26th is the most, you get the most returns uh, of Black any Friday. day of the year that's what i remember hearing but uh i i don't know that is interesting maybe that's what she meant i don't know it just stood out to me i was like that the day after christmas doesn't seem like it would be the biggest busiest retail day of the year it's like what are you buying things for mm-hmm. unless they're sales to get rid of things yeah that is interesting <laughs> i don't know <laughs> another thing that <laughs> this is probably not meant to be funny but i found it hilarious was when she was sitting alone in her apartment, she made a microwave frozen dinner. And the way she was eating it, she was just taking the teeniest, tiniest little bites. <laughs> it just cracked me up. I don't know why. <laughs> Probably because, you know, when you eat any, eat anything in a movie, you have to eat it like 5 million times. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. Um, but overall, I, I think it covers most of the basis of the story. And uh, I think it has a nice heart to it. I think this story really works when you can see sort of when it's more than just about greed, when mm-hmm. it's about there's other reasons why the the Scrooge character has turned away and isolated themselves from the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that helps. Plus, I think it has funny moments, like you were saying about Christmas present. So I, I I like it. I think it's a pretty pretty decent one. Yeah, it was pretty good. It I'm gonna say it's probably my second favorite because I think I liked it's Christmas Carol a bit better than this mm-hmm. one. Well, should we talk about that one then? No, we should talk about Every Day Is Christmas next. That okay. one's my least favorite. Okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you why I liked it. Okay. Um, so the thing that worked for me in this movie, I admit that Tony Braxton is not the greatest actress in the world. And I also admit that the, the romance didn't really work that well. But I thought, so the idea of having her parents who died in this horrible car accident and it had really traumatized her uh, and she hadn't really been able to kind of move on beyond that. Uh, and every time she saw her mother, I thought that it 
was just really devastating and it really worked for me. And I mean, I can imagine if I saw, you know, my grandma's just passed this year. Mm -hmm. If I saw either, and it wasn't even like a traumatic, wasn't even trying, you know, trauma thing, but I don't know. I just thought that that was, that really worked every time. It was just like, just her expression, just she was caving in inside every time she saw them. And, and, and I thought also, because I think that even if I had literally just seen them, you know, like 10 minutes before when I saw them again, it would still just completely devastate me. Um, Cause you miss them so much. And that sense of missing her parents, I thought was really um, palatable and did, they did a really good job with that. And I thought that that was an interesting approach to take to the movie of, of making it really about her grief and how that had sort of stalled her in her life and uh and how going through this experience kind of allowed her to sort of heal and be ready to to kind of live a full life again and i I like glory rubin quite a bit as her mom i thought she did a good job and uh, that was what really worked for me about it was this element of her seeing her mom and just that how much she missed her her mom and and uh you know i think about my grandpa who passed away in 2001 and i still to this day struggle to talk about him without crying because i missed him so much and and that's just that's not even that wasn't a traumatic death like this case uh and it's been so long but i don't know i just miss him so much and and i that's what i liked about the movie i really thought it got that heart right and uh, so you know it was it was interesting an interesting take on it mm-hmm well, I didn't think that the family stuff, that wasn't what I didn't like about this one. The mm-hmm. The family stuff was all good. Yeah. It was just a bunch of things that kept standing out to me. Uh-huh. Like the office workers. They all seem to have very cheesy dialogue and their acting was not the greatest. Yeah, that's fair. Like, it ranged from like decent to straight up cringy at times. Yeah. And the dialogue in the office I like I don't really understand what they were talking about but it seemed like even the writers didn't know what they were talking about like all the stuff they were talking about felt like really generic office talk like they were they were like one step away from going numbers numbers spreadsheets yeah. di- I mean <laughs> I like guess <laughs> for me that's a pretty small part of the movie I, I feel like the movie is mostly this romance, which I didn't love, mm-hmm. and all this stuff with her and her her mother. So I, I was willing to forgive that because <laughs> yeah. I felt like it's pretty minimal. But it's I don't disagree. Uh, it's not the best as far as that part. The one other big thing that was through the entire movie that kind of, I don't want to say it bothered me, but it just stood out a little mm-hmm. too much was the music. It seemed too playful and or silly when it was, when it needed to be more dramatic, like, especially with like meeting her parents and things, Mm -hmm. it, it, it didn't do the movie any favors when it made things seem like they were trying to be funny when they should have been going for dramatic. I can see that. Yeah, that's true. That's a fair, fair critique. Yeah, that's often a problem with these TV movies is that the, mm-hmm. the a lot of times the music is too loud. And I didn't really feel like this was too loud. 
but that can be a problem with a lot of them and then yeah it can be just too precocious <laughs> uh, and it can even in a movie that is precocious it can be a, a little annoying to have the music telling you to feel precocious you know like it could just be a little much and so that is definitely that's probably something to be honest that i've gotten a little accustomed to because i watch so many of these kind of movies mm -hmm. uh, but it is it is a, a frequent flaw <laughs> in them is the music i will agree with that yeah i kind of wondered because it seemed i don't know it just seemed very generic like the composer probably wasn't trying very hard mm -hmm. like they were trying to hit specific beats and that was about it so yeah. i don't know that just it really took me out of it but the family stuff was good the romance stuff i i don't know if i don't know if i bought them as a couple very much yeah but like i didn't really understand their dynamic for most of the movie partly because i was trying to figure out who was who in terms of like which one is cratchit which one is the nephew like I was trying to figure out if the driver or Jeff was Cratchit. And then later I was thinking, well, it was the driver the nephew, but then the driver turns out was bell. <laughs> so. Kind of because then there's that other guy that she, that from oh, her that's past, true. there were two yeah, bells. The minister guy. <laughs> yeah. There were kind of two bells. Uh, and uh, it's the Cratchit one was the, uh, the Jeff guy that she yeah. at the end she ends up paying off his mortgage and everything and i mean I, at least i guess some of these guys must get overtime or whatever but i especially i liked the i mean every time she saw her mother i thought she did a good job and mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh these kind of movies where i feel like the reaction is not uh, a normal reaction like uh they had one uh this this last weekend called christmas on my mind where the lead character has has this fall and gets amnesia and nobody had like any everybody was just like very like oh okay i mean if that happened to anybody that you know that would be a shocking you can't remember anything you know in the last two years <laughs> that would be shocking like you'd have a shocked mm -hmm. response right and nobody yeah. did and it was frustrating and uh whereas every time she saw her mom I felt it so i guess my appreciation for this movie is pretty simple and uh, i i liked um that she obviously just misses her mother so much and and that would be so horrible in your in your you know your 20s to have both of your parents die in a car accident mm -hmm. out of the blue like that would be so traumatizing and then if you actually did get to see them again can you imagine how how you'd feel <laughs> like that would be just so overwhelming uh and i i appreciated that it seemed like it never got despite her seeing them repeatedly i felt like every single time she saw them she kind of broke down mm -hmm. like it never became sort of routine for her and that was what worked for me about this movie i thought that was very well done and uh, I, I just, I guess I connected to it kind of emotionally that uh, I can't imagine how hard that would be to lose your parents like that and, and then to be able to see them. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, they show the whole scene where uh, she's, you know, cooking, cooking Christmas dinner and everything's all happy and then she gets that call. And I, it was kind of lame that, that the 
romance guy was there at the hospital for some reason like i'm like whatever but <laughs> nevertheless when she gets the word from the from the priest or whatever that they they died and she's in that church like that was pretty devastating mm -hmm. to me yeah and, and then she has to watch it again and she's kind of saying like why did i have to go through that again and you know like get re-traumatized um and i said and she says you have been running so long you forgot to face your pain uh, and the only thing you love now is money and so i thought that was a an interesting take on the story because usually it's about sort of the fear of poverty that makes scrooge the person that he becomes but in this case it's the fear of grief and the fear of pain uh that turns her into uh, something that she can kind of control mm -hmm. uh which is work it's the fear of of dealing with that grief that's actually her problem not money and i like that i thought it was, it was a cool take mm -hmm. yeah all the stuff with her family that was that was all good Mm -hmm. it was just one of those things where there was a bunch of other things happening that kind of turned me yeah. off of it but i can see why you would like it for that reason mm -hmm. yeah i felt like most of that other stuff was pretty minimal yeah and then she sees her dad for future and then that's mm -hmm. you know her reaction to that is pretty emotional she also sees i thought the whole thing with her her boyfriend was weird because she has this this boyfriend that she dumps at the beginning of the movie and they're going to go to bali and she sees this whole scene of him picking out a wedding ring um, and then they they have a, a whole scene at the end where she uh she tells him oh you know i'm sorry but we're we're really not meant to be or something and i was kind of like why did we need this whole plot line yeah like, it was completely unnecessary <laughs> i don't yeah. understand uh why we needed her to have three different boyfriends love interests in the movie because she then goes and uh tells the minister friend ex-boyfriend that she's sorry uh and it was kind of like her 12 steps or something she had to say <laughs> sorry to everybody uh, and then finally she kind of realizes that this guy is the guy the driver is the guy for her and uh all that stuff did nothing for me I was just I I could have done away with it all and have it just be about her and her mom. That was what worked for me. The rest of it was not great. The scene with her meeting her old fiance who's now a pastor, that was fine. Mm -hmm. But the one the guy that she just broken up with. Yeah. That that one was really unnecessary and the, yeah. the thing at the beginning was unnecessary and he was one of the worst actors in the movie, I thought. Yeah, he wasn't not quite he wasn't. as bad as some of the ancillary office people but yeah. like of all the people who have like major dialogue he was probably the worst yeah i i agree with that <laughs> it was pretty bad um <laughs> uh, so i guess with this like there can just be one part that i thought was strong enough that it was worth mm -hmm. discussing and i thought it was a different take that i had seen before so i think if you're gonna watch this movie watch it for gloria rubin as her mom and yeah. for that whole plot yeah but, yeah so i guess is christmas carol is your favorite of this group it's probably my favorite as well yeah <laughs> i think in terms of like being a good adaptation of the source material ebby is my favorite yeah but as far as being a good overall movie it's christmas carol is my favorite yeah. 
I think that's that's very fair. Yeah, this is definitely a loose. It's Christmas Carol is definitely a very loose adaptation, and the fact that they have <laughs> Carrie Fisher playing every single ghost is a little bit much. I mean, I love Carrie Fisher, but whatever, she's so great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she plays Marley past present and future in the story but uh did you like the office workers in this much better they the, were much better the, at, at the very beginning i was like okay this one guy he's gonna annoy me he seems like a very bad over actor but uh-huh. hellowed out he was better by the end yeah and the three that were like scheming behind her back they were yeah. the, kind of the worst ones but they weren't they didn't annoy me in the same way that oh, the I thought they were so funny. I, I enjoyed them. Like the whole revolution. <laughs> I thought that was really funny, but <laughs> Carson Cressley, all this stuff made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. they were, At the beginning I was like, Oh no, we're getting into another situation like the other one. But then it turned yeah. out it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. And you know, what's really funny is that in Hallmark movies, a lot of times, especially if they're set in the city for some reason, if they want to show that somebody is a bad person, they, uh, <laughs> they will have them ignore a bell ringing Santa. <laughs> <laughs> and they do that at the very beginning. This, this, this Scrooge character, they totally have her just completely like, she's not even just, she's not even, She's not even ignoring him. It's like she's purposely taunting him. Yeah, she's like, ugh, what's wrong with you? Get out of my way. (laughs) So that was hilarious. I really liked that with Carol. That's kind of funny. (laughs) I wouldn't have thought of that as being a trope, but you're a Hallmark expert, so if something's a trope, you'll know it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and of course, any good Hallmark heroine would, of course, give to a bell ringing Santa. (laughs) that is natural (laughs) but yeah you have this character carol who is who's a piece of work she runs this publishing house it's interesting with this because they kind of have two cratchit characters in this one because there's Mm -hmm. her assistant named kendra and then there's this woman named tanya and uh kendra what i thought was interesting is uh kendra is sort of she's taken on carol as a mentor and it's kind of similar to i don't know if you remember when we talked about the barbie christmas carol but in the barbie christmas carol the she sees in the future that her understudy or whatever has basically become like her and sort of taken her and and yeah. yeah yeah and you kind of see that in kendra that she ends up kind of becoming because she doesn't end up going with the boyfriend to Europe or whatever. And, and Mm -hmm. uh, she sacrifices all the stuff for Carol. And then she ends up kind of becoming like Carol in the future, which, uh, you know, sort of upsetting for Carol. So there's kind of that plot line, which I liked. And then also you have this uh, Tanya who tries to picture this novel at the beginning and she gets fired uh Mm -hmm. for doing it so there's sort of that uh plot line as well uh you also have that she doesn't ever visit her mother because she is very resentful and so there's her mom with alzheimer's 
uh and there's this oh, nurse what was wrong with her mom i wasn't sure if they said because i i was trying to figure out what was going on with her mom like why she needed a caretaker like i'm pretty i don't know if they actually say those words but i feel like it was pretty clear that was the okay. the problem was that it was some kind of alzheimer's type of thing so yeah she's super jerk <laughs> and uh yeah i i like the uh the office revolt i think it's just sort of just over the top enough to be funny and they're gonna call it revolution publishing <laughs> like viva <laughs> revolution <laughs> uh, and there's some i bet this had a lot of improving from carrie fisher i'm sh you know she was a really talented writer and there's uh -huh. a lot of moments in here that i wouldn't be surprised if they kind of came from her like okay. i love when <laughs> when they say uh it, when she says bigger doesn't always mean better and, and carol says give me one example <laughs> and she's like tumors cockroaches holes <laughs> in the wall <laughs> that, that was good i like that i also like just the like touch of whimsy that they have a few times like when she she goes out of the, the she keeps she keeps going out of closets and they're not like she's going into closets and they're not real you know that this is a fake world kind of a thing it's sort of funny mm -hmm. that probably was i mean it was kind of funny but it was that was probably the thing that kind of i don't know annoyed me the most about this version was that she keeps purposely trying to leave <laughs> eve yeah. Like, yeah. like she thinks she has some sort of control over the situation. She's like, they're, they've gone to the past and she's like, well, I'm leaving. And then she just leaves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, where did you think you were going to go? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> it was kind of funny though. Uh, but, uh, but it's also pretty aware of Christmas Carol, which is always funny. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, both this version and every day is Christmas. Like, talked about a christmas carol yeah. like mentioning the story but i think it came up more in this one yeah and she even says at one point there's some line like uh it's 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 not star wars after all there's some yeah. line about that which was funny and <laughs> um and i don't know just lines like uh, i i like it when carrie says uh you think everyone who works for you is happy i have to capture this look of total cluelessness <laughs> that's good <laughs> and uh and so she, uh, she was she was fun i just liked carrie fisher in this role mm -hmm. she was my favorite part about the movie for like, sure There's i no don't doubt. think the movie would have been the same if somebody else had played this part no way no way uh, <laughs> uh and she says people like me have been coming down here to help people like you for generations uh, she says chuck was just the first one to write about it <laughs> charles dickens uh-huh so well, in in that talking about like the story of a christmas carol at one point you see carol's mom and the nurse watching a version of the christmas carol it's the 1935 version mm -hmm. with seymour hicks yeah which is such a weird coincidence because that's the version that i'm doing with sarah this year we have, oh really that's we'll be recording it probably next week but I, that, that's the version we're we're recording talking about if i'm not mistaken i think seymour hicks played scrooge twice i think he I was think in so. that and then i think he was in a silent movie version yes. as well yeah because we, i think we noticed that when we watched because we watched this like three weeks ago we still haven't reviewed it yeah but we we noticed it was the same person 
I like when Carol says, says, I feel sorry for Scrooge. Scrooge was a smart businessman who was bullied into being a sentimental spendthrift. <laughs> that was good. That was good. And then you see that Carol is influencing Kendra, like I said, to be more like her and to not go away uh, with her boyfriend because she's trying to get a transfer to Paris, mm. I think it is, or someplace like that. I forget. Yeah. But I'm guessing that her publishing company must have like a like a branch in London. Sure, yeah. To transfer to. Yeah, and she, I liked the moment where she's talking about her mom, and Carol says all she ever did was work, and then Eve says, "But she didn't have a choice. You do." And I thought that that was pretty good because mm-hmm. our you know hard on Scrooge for obviously for the way he treats people but i think the thing what happens with scrooge is that he as a young person he's so fearful of the world and fearful of poverty that he works really really hard to get the position that he has and i do like it in the i think it's in the mickey's christmas carol when he says you work all your life to get money and then people just want you to give it away <laughs> like that and uh, it is kind of true like if there was any other position that you work hard for people wouldn't really expect you to just give it away but it's more because he's just allowed his heart to be cold to the world and cold to christ and uh and what christmas really means and so you know that's the case here is that it's not just that the scrooge character in this case that carol works hard that's not a problem it's that she shut herself off from the joy of the world and mm-hmm. she doesn't have to her mother ha- kind of had to uh because of the situation anyway i i like that i think that's good because i think if you just portray scrooge as a monster you miss out on some of the story that it has to teach you mm-hmm. uh so then she sees in the future there's uh she sees kendra at her funeral and uh the only says, person at her funeral. Yeah, in honor of you, she deemed today as a work day. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, that's a good line. Uh, and she says, I don't want to be alone. I want to change. I don't know how to do it. And then later on, you see that with Kendra, and Kendra says, I thought I wasn't supposed to plan my life around a man. And then she says, You're planning your life with your man. And so then she makes everything right with her mother with this guy ben which again i the romance is eh. <laughs> i don't care about that at all yeah that um, was probably the most boring part of them yeah <laughs> and i think the ending of her making everything right is a little drawn out for me it's a little long of course she also she reads manages to read that book overnight which is pretty impressive <laughs> she, she tells the the other cratchit lady that she's going to publish this book mm-hmm. uh give her a raise and everything so yeah i didn't really understand what was so great about the book because it turned out that the book was by and about her boyfriend <laughs> but like what did he do that was so great and life-changing and inspiring it really wasn't explained yeah that's true it was by her 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 ex and um I don't know it was just a, a really compelling read evidently i don't know uh so <laughs> and, and overall it's probably not important to the plot but it's just 
I made a big deal out of it. I mean, so like she she read it and she was willing to take on a Carol. And she liked it so much. So <laughs> evidently, it's just a great book. Apparently, this one doesn't have. I don't think the emotion of Every Day's Christmas, which is what I appreciated about that one. It's more fun. It's more funny because mm. uh, Carrie Fisher's the best. Yeah. You know, and I, I think Emmanuel Vega is, is a pretty decent actress. I think she does okay. She's not Carrie Fisher, but she's, she's, she's okay, <laughs> I think. The only th- other thing I've ever seen her in is Smallville because she played Lex Luthor's girlfriend in an arc in like the early seasons. I think it ended uh-huh. with them both trying to like, kill each other in various ways. I don't remember. <laughs> it's yeah. been a long time since I watched those, but that's the only thing I've ever seen her in. I've never been sure on how to pronounce her name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's in a couple different Hallmark movies. She's not like my favorite of Hallmark leading ladies, but I think she's okay. (laughs) She does okay. Yeah, Yeah, she was fine. Yeah. She wasn't my favorite in this this movie, but that's because nobody could beat Carrie Fisher. Yeah, that's true. It's really true. You know, I mean, I prefer versions... None of these, none of these three are like my favorite versions. I just we'd already done yeah. uh, most of my favorite favorites, or you had done them, mm-hmm. and uh, so. But I think they all try different things and are entertaining. So for me, I would say I I like the fact that every day is Christmas is about grief and about this relationship with her mom and seeing her mom again. I just thought that was really good. I like. That with Abby, I think it it's it is funny, and it also has that emotion, you know, in anything dealing with her sister, and I just think it's sort of clever, like Ghost of Christmas presents, and mm-hmm. the, them coming from the the store, and makes it a fun watch. And then I also uh, just this is Christmas Carol is just it's funny, and it gets some of those beats uh, down for Christmas Carol. And just got Carrie Fisher. So all three, I think, are worth a watch, and I think are entertaining. Uh, none of them are perfect, but mm-hmm. yeah, especially yeah. if you're someone like me who's wanting to watch a bunch of different versions of things. Yeah, I would say check these out. If you're only going to watch one, I'd say it's Christmas Carol. But I yeah. think Abby's worth it too. And Every Day is Christmas is eh, depends on who you are. If you're more like Rachel, you'll like it. If you're more uh-huh. like me, you probably won't. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But I would agree that It's Christmas Carol is the best of these three. Yeah, especially because I just love Carrie Fisher. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed watching them. Yeah. It's fun to see some different versions. Yeah, it's, I I mean, even if I don't fully enjoy the movie, I still have fun watching the different versions. Yeah. Okay, well, that's probably all we've got for today. Do you want to let people know where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Check that out. Also, I'm at the Hallmarkies Podcast. Okay, and I'll have links to all that down below. Well, okay, thanks. well, thanks yeah, thanks for joining me. This is fun. Hey, well, a Merry Christmas one last time. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thanks again to Rachel for joining me on this episode. I'll have links to all her projects down below. Like I said earlier, my cousin Sarah and I will be talking about the 1935 Seymour Hicks version of the story. 
We just need to actually get it recorded. This month has just been so busy, and trying to fit everything in around work, holidays, and even illnesses has made things extra challenging. But we are going to get this episode done if it's the last thing we do. Hopefully we can get it done before the year is out, but either way, we will get it recorded eventually. Anyway, I'll be back one more time with one more episode of the Christmas Carol Countdown next time on iHeartMovies. Thanks for listening.